What is it that you're thinking of? Oh, very nice. Yeah. It's already on full volume. Oh, oh. oh I do. This is the Barack Lillard Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I fear I'd find the most self-aggrandizing things possible. <laughs> With my producer, Ari David! That's me. And so it is on this fateful day of March 12, 2013. Is that a joke? April 12. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I've been time traveling way really, too much. You really <laughs> confused me there because um, uh, there's, my wife's brother plays a game called <clears throat> The Get. And The Get is a game based on saying something that's completely wrong and then you win when someone corrects you. For instance, you walk out of a Fellini film festival and, and it's played on intellectuals. You want intellectuals to be the right, victims understood. of it. So you leave a Fellini film and you say loudly so it could be overheard by other people, I love French cinema. <laughs> oh, I see. And then when they say, that was Italian, you idiot, you go, I got ya. <laughs> I see. So when you said it was March, I was like, is this a get? <laughs> this will not be the subject of today's podcast. Um, <laughs> this reminds me of, you know. The <laughs> so today, so many fun things to talk about. Uh, things are abounding throughout uh, the Internet and otherwise and through the law as well. And uh, the things, you know, one of the the podcast we talked about, I don't know, about three podcasts ago, Ari, was a topic about how people uh, have misconceptions of reality um, and their perceptions Haters of reality. Haters of knowledge. Haters right? of knowledge is what we called it. And, and it's really true. Um, and there, are, and we spoke a lot about the uh, Arab-Israeli conflict, as it were, as if somehow it's unique to, to the world. It's just, it's more famous, but it's not actually any more involved than any other conflict between a dictator on the one hand, a democracy on the other. That's what it is. And I want, to, I want to explore that a little bit because this is true in law, as it is true in politics, as it is true in medicine, as it is true in plumbing, as it is true in architecture, and uh, just about anything else you can think of profession-wise. You have to know what the problem is before you can solve it. Does that seem like an easy thing to say? Easy thing to believe in? So if you're an exterminator, you want to make sure that's a dead rat behind the wall before you knock open the wall. Right. Right. Uh, there you go. Right. right. If, if you're dealing with termites, then don't treat as if you're dealing with rats. 
or anything else. Dealing with termites. It's a different issue. Yeah. Uh, if you treat the situation as if it were dealing with rats, then you're not going to get rid of the termite problem and probably vice versa. Yeah. Now, likewise, if you are uh, a doctor and you are, somebody's coming with symptoms that uh, are, are reflect the probability of, I don't know, Crohn's disease, and you treat it as though it were a heart attack, you probably will not cure the Crohn's disease situation, right? Technically, the way doctors, I think, look now with the government involved, okay. the death of a patient can be considered a cure. <laughs> That's right. That, that does end <laughs> the disease. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but you, you get but the you're, idea. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, you and, have to know what you're dealing with right. before you start taking actions to deal that's, with that. That's exactly thing. right. I mean, let's have more fun with this. Uh, if you are a uh, plumber, we talked about plumber, plumbing just a little while ago. Um, if there is a huge leak coming out of uh, the ceiling for some reason, and you decide that the problem is uh, in the chimney, you can fix the chimney for all it's worth, but you'll never fix that leak. Yeah. Correct? Okay. Or an even more extreme example. If you're a football player, it does you no good to try to make a basket or right. hit a home run. <laughs> That's right. It, it's, it's, yeah. It yeah. simply does nothing. <laughs> right. Or if, the, if you're too short, it doesn't matter what you do, you're not going to be able to be a great basketball player. That's another way of looking at it. I guess that's the, that's the problem. The, and the, problem. The, the problem is not that you're not dribbling correctly and, and making these fancy moves correctly. It's, the problem is you're too short. You're not going to be able to be a great yeah. basketball player. That, that has to be the foundational issue. Uh, so it's a little bit of identifying the problem and then being part of a reality, a right. collective reality right. that is real. That's why it's called reality. Reality. <laughs> you know, now, so you're not dealing with an unreality, uh, right. a plane of existence. Uh, now, everything we just talked about seems so sensible. I mean, a lot of people are saying... That's so, why they say Republicans are stupid, because we say such basic, boring things. Well, well the, yes. Well, this is not even a conservative or, or, or liberal thing. Uh, I mean, I, I think anyone out there listening uh, should be able to or, agree with us that if you're going to fix a problem, know what the problem is. And then, you know, as long as you know what the problem is, maybe the, the drug is not aggressive enough to handle that particular cancer, but at least you know that drug is the thing that handles that particular cancer. Yeah. Okay. So to be devil's advocate, we could at least make the argument yeah. that the in the Arab-Israeli conflict... Ah, the no, Arabs, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Oh. Hold on. You're, 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 you're uh, <laughs> okay. guessing me. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Because I want to keep it very clear here. Oh. Okay. We are talking about recognizing the problem first. That is, seems to be a threshold issue. It seems so straightforward. Right? Yeah. Okay. Then you may or may not be able to... Solve it, but at least you need to know what the problem is. Yeah. For example, uh, you, you have a kid, and he just um, doesn't doesn't know how to fight back uh, when bullies are are hitting. That's the problem. Okay, do you respond by giving him? Uh, I don't know. Uh, karate you know, lessons. Karate lessons. But let's say you decide to respond uh, by giving him painting lessons because you think somehow that'll let him think outside the box. I mean, it, it's silly, right? That's not the way yeah. you would respond to it. Maybe karate, maybe boxing, maybe self-esteem uh, of some other kind. Not even self-esteem, but it would be about uh, learning how to if fight we were, the bad guys. Yeah, if we weren't living in a hysterical world and this was 100 years ago, you'd send him to school with a gun even, you know, yeah, or a yeah, knife. That's, yeah, you just you tell him how to fight back. But that's you, it. you would respond in some context that has to do with the issue of threats and violence to his person. That's right. Now, everyone seems to understand that. Like I said, it's not, it shouldn't be a liberal or conservative issue. It just seems to make sense. Right. Deal with the problem as it is. But when it comes to the Arab-Israeli conflict, 
people's uh, sense on this very issue just goes right out the window because they have no idea what the problem actually is. What, 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 what do I mean by that? What you're talking about, Barack? Uh, there are many different reasons. In fact, it's about land. It's about religion. Uh, land or religion, right? That's what they usually say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but they're lying. Well, but yeah. I, I, I'm I with you. I go there. You're, okay. <laughs> but is it so, right? I mean, let's actually ask the question if it's about land or about religion. All right. Let's take the land issue first because that's okay. what people like to I'll talk ask about. You, is the Arab-Israeli conflict about land, Barack? <laughs> no, Ari, it would not be. And It would explain not? maybe at best 10% of the actual problem itself. Because this is what we do in statistics. We talk about how do you how do you explain the issue? Is it if it only explains ten percent of something and there's ninety percent left to explain, we've got a problem. Yeah. Uh, and there's only one thing that does explain a hundred percent of what it is, and I'll get to that. Land, not really. Maybe ten percent, and I'm being generous when I when I say that, because if it were about land, Ari, <clears throat> then. It wouldn't, the, the Arabs wouldn't have fought so hard for this land in the first place um, during the independence war, before the Palestinian ter territories became known as the Palestinian territories. They, they used to belong to Jordan, had nothing to do with Palestinians, right? Yeah, and they all of to Jordan, Jordan, in fact, was deemed right. Palestinian Arab land right. anyway. And not only that. what, three times the size of right. Israel. And it had it been about land. You would expect that the Arabs would have given a crap about the area that is now known as Israel back in the 1800s and the early 1900s. Hold on. I just figured it out. It is about land. The Arabs wanted to have land that doesn't have any of that darn oil on it. I see. Yes, that's right. Is that oil has I... been a huge inconvenience. <laughs> I think you're using sarcasm as a form of expression. I just did, yes. <laughs> Was it that transparent? <laughs> But, but, but bear with me on this because it's really yeah. important because I want to take it one step at a time and then we can joke all we want about this. Okay. Sorry, uh, that was a zinger. No, no. It was, it's just, a, it's it was a, teed up over the place. It's a good zinger. Yeah. Okay. So it's not okay. about land. So if, it, if it were about land. would not have worked that hard for that little amount of land. Right. Well, the, the Arabs didn't give a crap about what is now known as Israel yeah, for a, literally hundreds of years. Yeah, because they let it into neglect, be a backwater full of swamps, malaria. It had no oil. It had no nothing yeah. uh, associated with it. When Mark Twain visited it, uh, by the way, as he described in The Innocence Abroad. Well, in the 1890s or something? Yeah. yeah. He basically said there's nobody here. And he basically noted that there's a couple of Jews and there's basically a couple of Bedouins. Bedouin Arabs are not the same thing as Palestinians, for the record. Uh, they're, they're loyal Israeli citizens and everything else. So it's not about uh, land. And by the way, let's fast forward to the year 2000, because if it were about land, then you would expect that Arafat, when Ehud Barak offered the land, 100% of what he was asking, I mean, 97% yeah. of what no, he was asking. Of the land. Of the land. Including half of Jerusalem. Including half of Jerusalem. He would have said, yes, we recognize you. Right. Peace, freedom, love, kumbaya. Right. So that was the last visage that blew out the argument regarding the land with a capital L. Yeah. Um, and not only did he refuse to accept it, but he spat, practically spat, I'm speaking metaphorically, practically spat on Ehud Barak and President Clinton uh, while doing so. And he left off in a huff. This guy refused to accept yes for an answer. Yeah, he left off in a huff and then to thank them for their offer declared a intifada. That's right. Uh, declared war. Right. So obviously what he wanted was the destruction of Israel there instead. 
So it's not about land. Okay, let's just let's just take that off the table. So is okay, it so, about religion? So let's talk about religion. Is it about religion? Because clearly there are Jews on the one hand here, and there are Muslims on the other hand. Is it about? Uh, sometimes you hear this. Okay, well if that were the case, then you would expect that Jews would be saying, uh, "This is our land, and we're going to go over and blow up your your kids too," right? I mean, it would be a religious war of sorts. That ain't happening. Why, why isn't it? No, it's, it's only really one side. The Muslims are claiming that the Jews should get the hell out of Dodge. And the Jews are saying, uh, we just want to live in peace. Thank you very much. Uh, we want a state of our own, but you're welcome to live here as well. Well, I don't think the Muslim, <clears throat> on the Muslim side of the religion, being that it's uh, one of the highest callings of Islam, is to wage jihad on infidels. And Jews and Christians are infidels. So there's definitely a component of that on one of the sides. Yes, no, that's against not, one of the I, other I agree. sides. No, no, I, I think it's a one-sided thing, but yeah. it's not about but religion. It's not about religion. There's right. more to it than that. Yeah. There is that religion may explain more of the conflict if you were to exp- uh, focus only on one part of it. I would say it's thirty percent. Yeah. But what about the remaining seventy percent? Right, and also there's a specific culture of Arab Muslim which is different from, say, Indonesian Muslim. Right. Or Indian Muslim. Or Indian Muslim. Or Pakistani Muslim. Right. Or even Iranian Muslim. Right. There's a, there, and it's not just the sex. There's a culture overlaid of the sex of, of um, right. Islam that has, makes uh, infidels viewed in slightly different lights by different Muslims and right. for different reasons. Right. So we've been treating uh, this conflict as a disease whose problem derives from land and or religion. How should we ever do In fact, we usually deal with it as a land issue. That's really the predominant thing. Yeah. And we always it, hear a roadmap for, to get us to land for peace. That's right. Now, never mind. Which is a really funny concept because it's like uh, they insist on having peace so we can get down the road to exchange land for more peace. Right. right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a semantics yeah. thing. You're, you're, but you're right. It's right. a good point. Um, but the the solution in all that, the assumption is that land will create peace, whether they call it a roadmap for land or whatever. It is. The, the, the bottom line is they think land equals peace. Yeah. Or land arrow toward peace, if you like. Right. If you see it in your mind that way. Really? Let, let's we just we just totally destroyed that whole argument about the land equals peace business. And yet they're still doing it. And you would think that there would be data points on this, right? You would think that in, in the history of the world, there was some place where they simply gave land to the opposing party, and then everyone's good. Oh, I know where. I, I got it. I, got I, know, I remember. That here, oh, Indian reservations. <laughs> Indians lived happily on Indian That's reservations right. with no problems whatsoever. No problems. Right? They, they had that Trail of Tears thing, but they parked the Cherokee in uh, Oklahoma all the way from Tennessee, and they were happy there, right? Right. Uh, exactly. No, no, that didn't work out actually. Yeah. So uh, well. Look, so in other words, it, it's a lie. It it's a total. It's a way. total lie. Um, but I mean, the, the analogy is, is is the only thing you can come up with, and I appreciate that you you came up with it. But the the reality yeah. is. But I was being sarcastic. You're being yeah, sarcastic. Transparently sarcastic. I know. But yeah. even so, even so, um, it, that's so different 
uh, giving up land, not in exchange. It was never given up in exchange for peace. Well, they weren't. Get, no land was given up or given. They were basically told, "Get off this land." Oh, there's some worthless land over there. Yeah. You can squat on. That's right. Until we decide to take that from you. That's that's yeah. that's exactly so. so. So it wasn't a land for peace situation. It was just like this is what we're doing, and if you don't like it, go you go to hell, go yeah. jump in a lake. And we've we've carved up to this place called the reservation. You're welcome to to be there, and that's that. And and otherwise, get out of my face. So you wouldn't call that land for peace. I mean, at that point, America had so much power that they could do such things. And we can get into the history of Americans and Indians. It's not exactly as people uh, yeah, describe it. Yeah, it's completely not analogous to the Middle right. East today issues. And, and in the history of the world, land has never been exchanged successfully for peace. Right. You uh, just oh, can't find oh, an I know example. another place they tried it where it didn't work. Mm. Uh, there's a... That old joke, I, I think, from a Mel Brooks movie or something where they're uh, lampooning Hitler. Oh, you'll have peace with me, a little piece of Czechoslovakia, a little piece right. of Poland. What, what was that from? Right. Uh, it, it was some Mel Brooks movie, I think. Oh, I, it could be. But it's a good point that you bring up because they you know, constantly were saying in, in, during, the, uh, during the Anschluss and Czechoslovakia, generally yeah. speaking, they said, well, let's give him more land. That, that will appease him. Yeah, right? Hitler will be appeased if we let him annex Poland, Czechoslovakia, right. if, if anything, it only created more war. Right. So uh, it, it just has never worked in the history of the world. And yet we've decided it's, it's this mantra. Give land and you'll get peace. Give land and you'll get peace. As if somehow that's been the issue. And they don't give a crap about it. Right. And that's, that's the funny thing about yeah. it is they don't give a crap. And they've said they don't give a crap about it yeah. in 2000. And the people who keep <clears throat> promoting this don't give a crap that it doesn't work. It's right. like the same kind of mentality is with guns. You have a crime of some magnitude. Right. Well, we have to ban guns. You have to ban guns. It doesn't work. I don't care. We're doing it anyway. So everyone's. It, it doesn't, it doesn't right. work. Same with this. That's right. You know, that was a good example of, of, of what the problem is and what the solution, therefore, must be the problem yeah. and, and the gun control situation. And the mantra of the left is that, well, you stop uh, illegal, you stop uh, or you make illegal all these guns and the problem will go away. But, of course, it won't go away. We know that. And, and the assumption all through that is that get rid of guns, problem goes away. Okay. That, but that, that, it's not an honest endeavor as to find out what the, pro- the problem actually Isn't is. Isn't it funny that <clears throat> with a different issue, drugs, liberals find that exact same oh, answer? Well, liberals are always legalize drugs, legalize drugs, legalize drugs. Because why? it's going to be because inevitable. Because the law has never gotten, got rid of them. So right. why do you think it will work with guns? Yeah, I know. It's, it's a completely uh, ass know, backwards. It, yeah. Uh, it's, they're very liberal when it comes to sex and drugs. That, and, and abortion. And, well, yeah. And I was going to say abortion, which is kind of sex-related, of course, because the reason why they want abortion to be uh, as as open as as possible and legal as possible is because it's, it allows it allows people to be as irresponsible as possible. Right. So in the sex it department, it eliminates consequences. Con- yeah, exactly right. Sex. Exactly right. Oh, you could say couldn't have said it better. Now let's go back to the average Israeli conflict because we talked about land not being the problem, religion not being the real problem. Even if you add them together, it's only forty percent. So what's the rest? What is the real explanation? Can I guess? Or no, no, okay. you can, you can uh, guess. Because I, my guess is the and this is, this thing yeah. explains it a hundred percent. Well, my guess, and this is again mm-hmm. a guess, is the problem is what Hitler said is it's the Jewish problem. Interesting. It's, it's the that you have elements, not only the Arabs on the ground, not only Muslims, but a the world leaders who. Carry influence on this conflict. Also, all share an idea that they want the Jews out of there. 
They want the Jews weak. They want the Jews submissive. I, I understand what you're saying. It's a, it's a good argument. Um, however, and here's why it doesn't explain all of it, because um, the, the, Muslim, the, the Arabs would fight Israel just as much if it were a non-Jewish, a, a non-Jewish yeah. but, but non-Muslim country. So if it but were, would, wait, 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 but would world powers interfere with the... No, no, let, let, we'll talk about that. Okay. If it were a Christian country, like this is going to be only a Christian, uh, particularly, let's say a Mormon country. Yeah, okay? yeah. this is this the is country all Mormon. of Utah, yeah, basically. Right. right. They would have just yeah. as much uh, pushback. However, the Jewish part of it, uh, what, what's, what, who said it? Uh, Abba Ibn, I think, said it. He said... Um, the Palestinians were uh, very lucky to have the Jews as their enemy because the world focuses on Jews like no other group. So, yes, it, it focuses the world's attention on it, but the reality is that the conflict would still be there. Um, and here's another reason why the Jewish a aspect of it, while it amplifies the, the situation and draws more media coverage to it, that's correct. Uh, the problem is that we have conflicts all the time between this or that warring faction and, and all that stuff, and one claiming to want this land of the other and all that stuff. So if it's only a Jewish situation, you would expect to have peace everywhere else in the world. And, of course, there is not peace everywhere else in the world. Yeah, between China and Taiwan, North and South Korea. Bingo. Bingo. So what is it? Here it is. And before I tell you what it is, I'm going to ask you a question. Um, not even a question. I'm going to give you a, a statement that will shock you. No two democracies in the history of the world have ever gone to war with each other. Ever. Coincidence? I don't think so. <laughs> no. Because people who live freely generally don't attack a country that's also full of people who are living freely. Right. And, and let's, let's first of all give ridiculous examples so that we really hone in this point because right now people are thinking they're, they're kind of going through their their bailiwick oh, of history. I don't know. I remember in the uh, South Park movie, the U.S. and Canada went to war. That's right. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Look, oh, that didn't happen. That didn't okay. happen, yeah. So now before I explain why it's the case, I'm going to give you examples and show how ridiculous it is. And then I'm going to ask why is it ridiculous. Okay, present day America going to war with present day Japan. Impossible. The, the, the idea is absurd. Yeah. Present-day America and present-day Canada. Absurd. Okay. Present-day South Korea, present-day Hong Kong. Absurd. Yeah. And now let's go, and, and America and Japan were implacable foes before, right? Right. And now, but it's impossible to think of them going to war now. What about France and England? Implacable foes for centuries. They had a hundred years war, the no The most implacable folks. Right. Centuries-long right. wars. The chances of them going to war with each other today? Zero. Okay? Absurd. Yeah. Uh, what about present-day France and present-day Germany? Hated each other. Impossible to imagine. Right? Yeah. Okay, so it's ridiculous, right? Now the question comes, why? And I'll tell you why. Because the first order of business of a dictatorship is power and maintaining power for shorter business. And for that, you need secret police. You need to suppress people as much as possible and therefore the economy. You can't have a free economy. And you need the... And you need an enemy. And you need an enemy. And in order to generate that enemy, you need the hermetically sealed borders to keep in your 
people as a prison camp and to right. keep out the but other. The, but the most important thing is an enemy. You must have an enemy. There's no dictatorship out there. Yeah, that's that why North Korea is doing what, it, what, it, exactly. what it's doing. I was going to use that example. Yeah. That's a perfect example. Dictatorships are impossible. It is impossible for them to exist Without an living, enemy. living peacefully that's because right. they need an enemy. That's right. Now, the first order of business of a dictatorship, I'm uh, sorry, of a democracy, is prosperity. Well, you no, don't deliver I prosperity. Believe the first order of business is to protect the people from potential dictatorships. Well, it's, uh, it's actually prosperity in okay. some ways. Okay, well, you're yeah, right. Because you need the day, prosperity to you, fund you, the right. defense. You can't yeah. have prosperity unless you're protected anyway. So it's, it yeah. falls under the rubric. And if you don't deliver prosperity, you get voted out. Thank you very much. You're out of here. And you know, it's interesting you mentioned because that also happens at a personal level in a dictatorship. In a dictatorship, families war with each other. In dictatorships, you don't trust your friends. Mm -hmm. In dictatorships, you always look for some other citizen you can report to the secret police. Right. So you are not reported to the secret police. In a in a in a um, democracy, the first thing you look for is someone to either employ you or purchase your wares. Right. That's, that's exactly right. Uh, you know, when, when, when previously warring uh, cultures come to America and they settle down, guess what? They're very they're great friends. Anymore. No warring. Uh, and, and that's wonderful. And that even applies to Arab uh, and Israelis in New York, for example. They, you'd expect somehow it to all be transferred. And that's another reason why it's not religion, right? Yeah. Because if it were religion, you would expect all the, war, all the different religions in America to be fighting each other. Yeah. At least, you know, and, and you're not talking about, not. say, an outlying group of some, you know, uh, college campus radicals. You're talking no. about the general public. The general you're talking yeah. about how in Westwood, a Jew is very likely to go into a Muslim Iranian-owned bakery right. and have the the yeah, pastries, the, the baklava. Exactly. And, or the shawarma and, special. Or the shawarma. Or and the Iranian or, or uh, Muslim Arab is just as likely to go to the is right. the, the falafel king restaurant owned by Benny, the Jewish guy from the gym, right. and have his falafel. And they might be best friends, too. Yeah. And and, and more importantly, they, they, they don't even go with, with a, a minute of thinking, like, am I taking a risk by going into this no, All they think of is, I'm an American and I'm hungry. That's right. <laughs> I want a shawarma. I want so, a baklava. You so, know? It's it's, so it's prosperity right. that we must deliver... Or you get voted out. Now, those are two different animals, right? Yeah. Literally two. And I'm, I'm going to say, and I, and I can't help but notice, I went to a safari recently. And I couldn't help, it was an enclosed safari, like the wild animal park in San Diego. I couldn't help but notice, Ari, and it was shocking to me, that there was a fence between the lions on the one hand and the gazelles on the other. I didn't know why. I wonder why. Oh, that's right. The lions would, would eat the gazelles. Eat the gazelle. Yes, I just and figured. they would do it, even if they were fed the meat from yes. the because a lion and they're, they're cats, so they're very sneaky little oh, animals. With the cats. Yeah, they will kill the gazelle just for fun if just they're not fun. hungry. But just for why? Fun. Because they're wired to do so. That is they have right. to. <laughs> Right, and so it Why is. did the scorpion sting you? Because it's a scorpion, dummy. Yeah. Right. And you're a fool to not expect the scorpion to sting you. Yeah. So if the scorpion doesn't sting you, there's something wrong with it. Right. Yeah. Right. All the other scorpions will make fun of him. Yeah, for sure. Right. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Here comes there's Frank, the the, st the sting-free guy. Anyway, the point is, dictatorships must. They, they, they're like the lion. Uh, I don't even like the lion because the lion's a strong animal. But they're like that crazy person that must kill. It yeah. must kill. It must have an enemy. It's constantly uh, looking and searching 
how to hate something, whether that's South Korea hating, uh, South, uh, sorry, North Korea hating South Korea and America and everyone else, or the Palestinians hating Israel or the other Arab countries hating Israel. That's what happens. It, it's a commandment for all dictatorships. And by contrast, a democracy, it, it does not look out to destroy and seek out. I mean, they accuse Israel of doing that, right? They, 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 they well, would love to, I, hold, hold on. Yeah. They would love to accuse Israel of going out and seeking out to colonize these Arab countries as if that's even possible for Israel to do. They, of course, have no backup for that whatsoever. And they it's wouldn't just, know what to a, do with all the oil. They wouldn't. <laughs> but the point is that they just don't, of course, that doesn't happen. They, yeah. they can't point to one single thing associated with that. And it's all, what, what is it called, projection. Right. They want to destroy Israel, but they accuse Israel of wanting to destroy well, it. Well, then that leads to an interesting thought experiment question with a statement of that I think is relevant and yeah. accurate, which is, well, what would happen if a uh, you could magically turn any one of those Arab countries into a democracy? Right. And I believe it actually happened with Lebanon pre-1975, right? And the answer is obvious. It gets overrun by the other Right, non-democracies, right. and the, yeah, fragile democracies can become dictatorships. Right. But the, but then there's the statement, which is where it might have something to do with religion and culture, because that specific type of religion, that brand of Islam that is in the Arab culture, which is, are the people of those, those regions, because of their culture, incapable of having democracies that last longer than one man, one vote, one time? I, the answer to that is, I don't know. Because and it seems to be the case. Iran, 1979, one man, one vote, one time. It, you know, Egypt last year, uh, I, Iraq. I, I agree with you, but it's a little bit of a different topic, uh, whether it's a cultural thing or not, because there are many dictatorships. In fact, dictatorships are the norm in the world as right. opposed to democracy. Yeah, democracies are the exception, and, right. and it's the culture of a particular country, U.S., France, England, Israel, that allows for the democratization. Right. Of the, the uh, state structure. But where a country has a, even a fledgling democracy, like Iraq right now, you know, hopefully it'll stay a democracy over time. But even now, do you hear anything from the Iraqis saying, I hate Israel? No. No. It's e even that limited a democracy, and they are not antagonized by Israel. Yeah, and the only thing you hear from them really is, uh, we're really afraid of this Iran country that has a nuclear weapon. Right. Yeah, they're, they're more interested in just getting their business done. They couldn't care less about Israel. Yeah, and they're, and they're not warring with the Kurds and the and the uh, Baathists and the, the Shiites and, and the Shiites yeah. and the Sunnis. They, they might have conflict. I, right. oh, I don't like those people. They don't like me. But you don't hear about them in open warfare. That's right. Right now. That's right. So now we go back to the whole palace. Now, does this explain a hundred percent of what we're seeing in the Middle East, at least vis-a-vis -vis Israel? The answer is yes. It does. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, virtually all the countries that surround Israel are dictatorships. Israel is a perfect enemy. Perfect. It's right in their name, neighborhood. Yeah. So it's, it's next door. You can literally look over the fence and say, those are the bad guys. Yeah, it's a free country. They're having fun. The girls are pretty. <laughs> well, that's another story. You know, all that, that, that stuff. That, that, you know, that they're jealous of it. Yeah. But it, it almost doesn't matter that they're jealous of it. They, no, but they, I mean, it is an visually, enemy. they become a perfect um, promoted them from a public yeah. relations standpoint. Right. They have everything you don't have in their take it from you. Kill them. Right. Right. But it is an enemy. Yeah. And that's the reason why we're seeing what it is. And for anyone else, for 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 the you know Johnny Liberal or any Westerner to to 
to jump on the bandwagon of the Arabs and to buy this claptrap that the problem is somehow an issue of land. The problem is dictatorship versus democracy. Yeah. And you're just witnessing the normal play out, just like you wouldn't witness the normal play out between Anywhere a lion and a world. gazelle. Yeah. Just like you would see a lion and a gazelle, what the natural reaction of that is that the gazelle is not going to go try to attack the lion. The lion will try to attack the gazelle. Thank you very much. End of story. And if you think anything else is going to happen, you're an idiot. That's it. And we say play out time and time again throughout the rest of the world. Anytime there's a democracy, it uh, dealing uh, sorry, all wars are between dictatorships dictatorship and dictatorships. Or dictatorships with each other or dictatorships against democracies. Right. In other words, all wars involve at least one dictator. Yeah. Always. So that's what explains it. And we're done with the, the Arab-Israeli conflict. That's it. Now, now we know what the solution is. You see? We talked about the plumber before. We talked about the doctor before. Now we know what the solution It's yeah. not land. Because as soon as Israel gives land, and we know what happened when Israel gives land. Gaza, we gave up all Gaza. We gave and, up the southern and, Lebanon. And, and look what we got for that. Yeah, and that get, comes to a very interesting question, though. Because I found, and I know you see this, too. There are just some people out there who just have to keep working to solve a problem, even if it's unsolvable. Meaning, if that is the problem, as you just said, yeah. then the obvious solution is to democratize the enemy. That's right. But if the people who are acting as Israel's enemy are unwilling to democratize themselves, and because of democracy by definition embodies a bunch of free will, right. thus it cannot be forcibly installed. Right then the only solution is to wait until their culture is ready to self-install it, and thus we are at a state of war permanently until that time. Thus, the solution is to win the war so overwhelmingly that that dictatorship acts submissively. That has to be the answer. That the oh, and here's the funny thing. Yeah. When, when dictatorships act submissively, they tend to democratize over time. Yes, they do. They just and what we are doing... Because that's what happened with Japan. That's right. What we are doing by... Oh, in Germany. Oh, in Italy. Oh, hold on. Sorry. What we are doing by focusing on the land question is that we are, in fact, enabling and giving life to the dictatorships. We are giving them more oxygen for their craziness. Yeah. Um, and, and so it just has a self... Fulfilling prophecy that the and issue is about self land. And but gets worse. It gets, it gets more worse. virulent and more saying it's land, it's land, it's land. So why don't you give it the land? It's land because, well, we need the land. Because we need to be safe. We'd love to give, we'd love to give up the land if we only felt secure about it. But we, don't, we can't feel secure about it. Well, and it's a chicken and the egg situation. And they're always talking about land. And it's garbage. What it is about is about dictatorship versus democracy. And you're right. The only answer, as difficult as it is, I agree with you, it's difficult, is to that to wait for democratization. And, and the listeners now listening and saying, well, that's an absurd thing. You're right. I would, I would say we don't wait. What you do is you re acknowledge the reality that you reality are first. at war. Yeah. And when at war, you win the war. Right. You win. Right. When it, how, then we have to define, again, step by step, what does winning war mean? Well, my friend Eric Golub wants to find it beautifully. He said, winning a war is when you go and you kill the enemy and you break their stuff. Right. <laughs> that's that's well, how you win wars. Right, right. But you have to... And it sounds horrible, but there's no other way to win a war. You have to look at the... You have to look at what the... Um, at what the other side is, is doing. Um, and if you're enabling them, you're going to lose that war. 
And Israel has never been stronger than when it recognizes that it's in a state of war. The minute it opened its doors to open up the so-called peace process based upon a faulty premise that it was about land, that's when bad things always happened. Yeah. The second intifada started as a result of uh, years uh, of uh, Oslo and Bill yeah. Clinton and Yad all garbage. Rabin and uh, we knew it was all garbage. Barak. Yeah, Israel was safest when when uh, uh, Menachem Begin was president and Ronald Reagan was or uh, was prime, prime minister, minister and, and president. Reagan was president. That's right. You, what you do because you, they they were willing to fight war with overwhelming force, right. and the enemy just kind of went away. That's right. You alienate the enemy. You make it clear to the enemy. You ain't crossing this line. And going back to the gazelle and the lion, uh, the gazelle basically, you know, the answer to it is not to say, well, come closer to me. And, and, and I mean, the lion doesn't care about land. The lion cares about the gazelle. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so you can give them all the land you want. And you're, all you're doing is you're, you're letting the lion get closer to the gazelle. And that's what the Arabs would like. And by, by saying that the mantra is about land, they're going to get closer to that gazelle. Yeah. I, I think it's a perfect analogy. I say this with uh, some sadness, but at the same time, some sense of reality. We must acknowledge this. And yes, it's hard work. It means that we have to kind of toe the line and be very tough and say, look, this is where we are. And when you guys get your crap together and when you guys actually democratize at some point, boy, we're looking forward to that day. and We're going to have a lot of uh, trade between us. That'll be wonderful. Yeah. But lots right, of baklava. Lots, lots of falafel. <laughs> lots it, of shawarma. Well, it'll, it'll be like Brooklyn. It'll be like New York City. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of different things. And, and it will be just like that. Like you say, baklava and falafel and shawarma. Wonderful. It's great. And, and it won't be a problem. And guess what? Guess what? It'll be so respectful and uh, the economy will boom because these are very talented peoples. Uh, the Arabs are actually very talented people, but they're being so suppressed. Yeah, by, really, their own, by their own people. Yeah, especially the Palestinians. Yeah. Now, um, we talked about looking at problems, what the problems are, and how does this apply in law. Uh, offline, I told you before about these two women that I, uh, I was representing one of the women. They're two business moguls. And they were going at it for each other, claiming that the other owed millions of dollars from her business and vice versa. It, it doesn't really matter. That, that was the idea. And the war got so intense that it boiled down at some point, we were able to shave away a lot of the issues. It boiled down to $2,000 in dispute. This is after $100,000 or so, maybe $150,000 in fees. But we were able to at least get it down to $2,000 as an issue. And they still fought about it. They, and neither one wanted to pay the other one friggin' dime. So you think to yourself, well, the problem is uh, that one should be able to get the other person to, to pay. That's what the problem is, right? Answer, no, that wasn't the problem. They, either of them can afford easily $1,000, $1,500 to the other. There was something else going on. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew what it was? Um, and I wish I had thought about this, but somebody else thought about it. He was a partner in the office, and he came up with a fantastic idea. He said he went to his client, who was the one who claimed that you know, she wanted to go forward with this, and he said, tell you what, why don't you uh, get five charities from the other woman, and among those charities, you get to choose how much you'll pay $1,500 to. Brilliant. Brilliant. That way, he solved the problem. Not one dime was going to, to directly to the other one. enemy. And, and this yeah. woman was contributing money to a charity, partly of her own choice. Right. And that was it. It solved the entire problem. 
Yeah, and thank God it wasn't so, uh, you know, uh, unworkable that she said, she likes those charities. I want to sue those charities. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> okay, thank God. Because uh, <laughs> that would have been really bad. Right. Now, you had a question for yeah, me about that. Yeah, um, I was thinking, a law firm's job is not to win cases. Like, okay? You know, my job is not to provide good social media services. My job is to get clients and have them pay money. And, you know, the the job, the the reason people hire me is for that. Right. But why am I in business? To make money. Why are you in business? To make money. Meaning, if you do a great job, great. But you, you're in business to build clients well, on a certain level. We, 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 yeah. we are in the business of solving people's problems. Right? Right. Just like a dentist is in the business of solving people's problems. A different kind of problem, of course. Yeah. And a doctor needs to solve but, that but problem. But it led to an interesting question. If you go to a dentist and you say to the dentist, I know my tooth needs to be drilled, but I'm just going to pay you for a visit, but just don't do the the work. Yes, there is a moral question about whether or not the dentist should accept it, but it's essentially free money. So in the in a case like this, right. if a client is unwilling to settle right. and willing to pay you thousands of pounds, thousands of dollars in legal fees over a period of time, and even though it's... Ethical, ethically questionable to take it. It's not illegal to take their business. Uh, why wouldn't one? And I'm not saying why wouldn't you, because I know you and right. you. Well, you've I already talked I, and this I wouldn't time. take it. Uh, the, the but talk about other lawyers, perhaps, or I suppose if you're so desperate for work, you're going to continue to taking cases that you know that are not going. to... But it's going to bite you later on anyway, yeah. because that client, uh, in the example that we just had, a real world example. Um, needs to be told that they're being ridiculous and they're, they're going to spend $50,000 to resolve a $2,000 problem. And it's insane. Because and in you're gonna five go, years from now, you're going to get a $100,000 bill for a $2,000 settlement. And there's a good chance you're going to go, what? Yeah, the client at that point will see reason and say, how come you didn't stop me? Yeah, funny how that makes them see reason. Yeah. Like the cold splash of water to yeah, the face. Yeah, nothing like that uh, It doesn't make them see reason. It's really a harsh reality. And... Um, I, I just I would just wouldn't do that. What I would do is I would simply, and I have done in the past, I have. I've simply said that they're not willing to agree with my settlement recommendation. We can't work together. There is a breakdown in communications. Yeah. And I either seek them to substitute out, substitute me out as counsel, or if they don't, if we, if they refuse to do that, I move to withdraw as counsel. And generally speaking, the court will let me out of a case based upon that. Can um, you can you say to the the court, uh, this is the reason I need out? You can no. You have to be fairly elliptical about it because there's the attorney-client privilege. Attorney, right. So you can't say what you said to the client or what or how the client refuses to agree with you. What you can say is there's been a breakdown in attorney-client communications. That's okay, and the relationship is, is broken down. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're not basically going into the details of it. The the attorney the judge kind of understands one or two this two things is happening. Either uh, she's not agreeing to your reasonable advice. Or, second, she's asking you to do something that, that you find unethical. Yeah, kind of like in a criminal case, if a lawyer says to the, the, the defendant, do not do this. And then the, you know, you, that girl who says you raped her uh, is saying right. you're stalking her. Don't show up at her house. You showed up at her house again? Right. Uh, I, I can't defend you. Or, or suborning perjury or yeah. anything else like that. So th those are the circumstances. And generally speaking, because the courts are respectful of that, they'll let you out with, with few exceptions. Um, so... And of course, there's also the payment of money. Sometimes a client is not paying you money, and you know you, you shouldn't be working for free. Right, and the issue of of collecting, 
uh, from a client oh, is yeah. always much harder if it's a ridiculously vast amount of money right. for a bill versus a reasonable amount right. of money for billable hours and services. That's right. Et so now, um, that that is, uh, I hope that answers the question in terms of what, what I wouldn't do and all, and all that. But it's all about addressing what the problem is. And that was a brilliant move on the, on the part of the partner in my old firm. I really admired that. And ever since I saw that happen, and he got the solution was so quick because he recognized what the problem was. It wasn't about the, the um, who was right and who was wrong. It was about one woman didn't want to pay the other woman any money. Yeah, and it turned the volume down on the conflict. Completely. It, it, it uh, undermined the, the source of the blood feud, essentially. Right. And, well, then, and both women got to say what they wanted to say. One is that I didn't pay her any money. Yeah. And the other one said, I got, I got her to pay me money. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was a brilliant move. I, I just, I wish I had thought about it. Yeah. Uh, but th that's, that's about being resourceful in, in the law. Look, this has whole, this, everything here that we've been talking about is about recognizing problems. And we started off by saying how simple this is. I'm going to, um, we started, and, and, and it is as simple. We, we said, if you've got a rat problem, you don't treat it like a termite problem. If you've got um, a, uh, a problem with, you know, with your bones, uh, a broken bone, you don't treat it like cancer. That, that seems so basic when we spoke about it. But as we got more and more into it, in terms of law and even the Middle East situation, we began to realize that people actually engaged in this process of thinking, this bizarre way of thinking, of not recognizing what the problem is. It's almost, like, it's almost like a human trait. Yeah, sometimes it is. This sort of, they um, refuse to see the problem. Human failing. And another example of that is uh, the most obvious one that both you and I love and so nearly and dearly is the, the problem of uh, the government and the debt and where we are today. Yeah. What is the problem? And the liberals will talk about the problem being that the conservatives not are holding the back. Not, not enough taxes. Not enough taxes. Rich people not paying their fair share. Right. Greed, greed, greed. Right. And Businessmen, they will, Wall Street. Right. And they will not focus on the real problem. Yeah. Because the real problem they don't like to address. The real problem is that there's too much government. Yeah. Like Ronald Reagan and correctly the addressed. The government class and, and the, gov the greed of the government class, not the greed of the businessman. And, and the very best, the incompetence of the government class. Yeah. And the lack of accountability of the government class. Those are the problems. And because people fail to recognize them, that's why we are where we are today. Anyway, uh, I've really enjoyed this uh, podcast. I hope you have too, listener. Uh, Ari, it's always a pleasure having you on board. Keep and talking. thus spoke Zarathustra. Good night, everybody. <laughs>